Okay, it was either 5157 or 5751. And you said, I got it. And then I kept... And I, then you didn't get it. I promise the sticky you note is somewhere in my house. I fucker. promise. I a sticky it. note. That's what I put a it sticky on. sticky note. I wrote it you down. You put it on a sticky note. I did, but I can't. And it's somewhere around your house. Yes. Not well, somewhere near my computer where no. I was sitting. I remember lifting it up and saying, don't fucking lose this Why when I was did you cleaning. Lift it up? Because I was cleaning my desk and getting I rid can, of all the other stupid sticky notes. It was the baby in roots and shit. Like, just, just. Welcome to season two, the inaugural episode of Dive Man Justice, the podcast that explores building ideal communities with our less than ideal selves. I am Delma Jackson. I'm Shandine Garcia. And if you joined us for any part of our journey for season one, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. And if you are new to this podcast, if you're just discovering us, welcome. We are definitely honored to have you here. Let me start off this inaugural episode by saying, Shandine, I genuinely missed recording these episodes with you until we started trying to record this episode and now i remember all of the headaches and the stomach aches and the late night sweats from knowing that i gotta deal with your monkey ass from one week to the next but all of that aside it's so good to be here with you i love you and it's great to see you how you been how you doing talk to me the people want to know I'm sorry, I hit mute during that time. When I noticed your mouth stopped moving, then I, I started talking again. Hey, how's it going? It's good to see you here. I'm assuming you said a bunch of dumbass shit in the beginning. But what you really meant was how excited you are to be getting this second season. I didn't miss your, you know, annoying self, but I mm. did miss the space to talk about shit that I find hard to talk about in other places. Mm. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Being in a place where I don't have to pretend mm-hmm. is like breathing fucking pure oxygen. And I know that's a piece of what we're trying to do, but I've never actually been able to do it consistently all the time with another human in the way that this podcast lets us do that. Mm. Mm-hmm. There were several months in between recording. Uh, the end of season one and this beginning of season two, a lot's changed. A lot has happened. And um, so I'm I'm interested in a few things. Um, I'm interested in spending some time just hearing um, from you and sharing with you about season one, what we want to take into season two. No guests this time, just the two of us chopping it up like we always do. Talk to me. What are you, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? Yeah, you know, I was on a... I was part of teaching a class earlier with my sisters, Rena and Leah, who you got to meet in season Mm -hmm. one. And Mm -hmm. after I I did a little story share with their community of practice, I I said, I have to hop off now. I've, uh, you know, Delma and I are recording season two, episode one. And the response was, oh, my gosh, we've been missing you all. And I loved that. And so, but it was as nice to know that that there are folks who are waiting. And so, especially for us as, you know, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Um, I think part of season one was about us learning how to navigate 
the technical pieces of it and mm-hmm. inviting both our listeners and our guests to um, be kind and patient with us. But on a thematic level, season one for us was about what makes it hard for us to show up in ways that we want to? What makes it hard mm-hmm. for our guests to show up? I like making space for being so exhausted you don't even want to wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And how can we, in your words, uh, normalize how we show up when shit gets hard? Talking mm-hmm. about our petty as not – as it's okay. Like we're, we, mm-hmm. we're going to have our petty and we're just going to be fucking hard. And the result of that attempt – even in our amateurishness, I don't know if that's a word, was that the brilliance of our guests transcended that shit. Mm. We launched mm. in the middle of the of multiple pandemics, of deep racial reckonings, of still watching live, you know, murders and trials and rapes and 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 all of the attacks on critical race theory and you know this global mm-hmm. reckonings and climate change and wholesale sl- like all of the things. Mm-hmm. Um, the brilliance and love of our guests completely came through. One of the things that we we didn't necessarily do is intentionally creating healing spaces around race. Like in general, people aren't aren't doing that. We're not doing that. And our hope is that season one launched a space to begin that mm-hmm. and that season two will continue inviting that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. I couldn't agree more. I uh, appreciate that. I um Yeah, I feel like season 1 along with like kind of the technical learning curve and all of that um like you said beginning a conversation that our hope is to continue with season 2 and such a big part of that. Yeah, normalizing the hard stuff, normalizing the things that we don't necessarily want to lead with or acknowledge about ourselves, um, normalizing the complexity um, that we all hold and how that can make it difficult to me, as you say, in right relationship with one another and community with one another. Um, So I, with that said, um, Thinking again about community, right, which is at the core tenet of this podcast. What does it mean to be in community? What does it mean to be an ideal community when we are rarely at our highest selves for any sustainable amount of time, right? Well, I I, I am. Wow. And um, I know we can, like, it takes so much out of me just, for instance, to let that slide, that bullshit you just said slide, right? Um, I want to move on, and I want to be my best self and allow people to maybe make the mistake of thinking <laughs> that you are somehow telling the truth and, and that you can be dependent upon for that, but clearly you're full of shit. <laughs> Shut up! I, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to come with something really good, and I just like, <laughs> yeah, I nah, lost it. No, nah, okay. you lost it. I lost it. I that's, like, that's, and that's... That's the universe trying to tell you something. (laughs) Um, I think so much of what you and I kind of discussed more recently is that the very systems and cultures that we want to interrupt, um, we're often using the tools and techniques of that culture. You know Audre Lorde's um, quote, 
um, master's tools, right? Like for the master's tools, mm. we'll never mm-hmm. dismantle the master's house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know any fucking other tools to fucking use some days. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's 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 asking us to really be creative. A dear friend of mine who works in Mexico, we were talking about examples of where we've made a mistake. And when, and her mistake was, you know, a, a young woman on her staff or in her team started crying. And then, she, like, and this is way when she was much younger and she called her into another room and be like, don't let them see you cry. Like, don't, let, like, don't cry. Hmm. And she's like, later, I'm like, what the hell? Like, why? Like, I can't believe I did that. And what is that? Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. the the hypocrisy for me is that I would, like now, I might have probably said that at the same time when I was her age back then too, because she's a little bit younger than me. But like now, if someone cried on a call, I would want to hold space and want to be like, that's fine, you get to show up in your fullest humanity. Mm-hmm. But when I did it, when I cried on a call, you know, three weeks ago when a racist shit happened and I needed to like tell someone about it in that space and I was talking to three white men, mm-hmm. I broke and started crying and all I could do was like, God, like for days like you couldn't hold it together like mm. five more minutes no mm-hmm. compassion for self mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. yeah that's I, real that's real um and just the idea of of demonstrating weakness right right both as a, a, a woman i imagine right as a, a bipoc human that is a no-no, right? You're not supposed to do that, right. but who... Because we've, we've known what happens to us when we do. Mm-hmm. What you're not invited to, how you're treated differently, all the other mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Even though you and I know, we know, both intellectually and, like, somatically. That doesn't fucking make us weak. <laughs> we It's, like, evidence that we feel. Mm-hmm. And not only that we feel, but that we're unafraid to be fully ourselves in the presence of those who may or may not be accustomed or welcoming to that. And there are a few things braver, <laughs> right? Um, you say, right? And I even struggle to agree with that. <laughs> like, I'm all, oh! Because like, I still can't have fucking compassion for self in that, even though mm-hmm. I, bu- I would... I'll preach it and I'll say it and I'll beg for it and I'll advocate for it and I can't center that. For everybody else. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that kind of gets at, right? So that's that's at the heart of what makes this work, I think, um, so difficult to begin with, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think um, for me, season two is about further diving into the nuts and bolts on a ground level that make the work difficult. I'm also interested in um, a loving critique of of ourselves and this work. Um, Wait a minute. I have to switch the way I critique you? It, that you don't understand that all of that is grounded in love? It would, um, it, it would be nice, but I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> Right. Uh, I'm not. Shout out to Harold at Shelburne Farms. I will try to be nicer to Delma on season two, but don't, don't hold me to it. I was going to say, please don't hold your breath either, Harold, because <laughs> we'll be too passed out my foes waiting on Shandine to come around. Um, 
<laughs> I think um, I've been spending a lot of time um, lately looking at some of the broader conversations, whether it's around critical race theory um, and some of the debates that are popping up in these like school boards with this manufactured um, problem, right? And one thing I can always give the so-called right credit for is manufacturing issues, manufacturing fear, and using that to um, raise a buttload of money, right, to do more of the same and then put themselves in positions of power. And so... um, they're so good at it. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And um, while simultaneously accusing their political opponents of being the 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 boogie men and women that are coming to take their stuff or change their culture or shame their kids or fill in the blank, right? There's always an agenda, a Marxist, left wing, communist agenda. <laughs> Um, and they're really good at rallying folks around that kind of rhetoric. Um, and so my challenge, right, part of what made me want to do this pod was saying, okay, if I'm not going to be a part of anything that, that uses those tactics, what is the alternative? And... What I find over and over again is it's so hard to organize amongst like-minded folks the, because the minute we realize we diverge on something or the minute somebody that I've been working with says something that doesn't land quite right or vice versa, I say something that doesn't demonstrate the sort of complexity and nuance and sensitivity that it should then we're splintering off into, you know, we go in on each other and we start talking bad about each other. And I'm on Facebook and you're on Twitter and we talk the shit about one another. And we don't work together no more. And I take my people and you take your people. And, right. And so if I don't learn how to show up with a little more patience for folks who may see something different and vice versa, if they can't show up and give me a little more grace. I don't see how we're ever going to be able to, to stay organized and, and really move anything. And I know you've thought deeply about this, so maybe you have some insight on this, on the question I'm going to ask, which is why can they do it and we can't? The fear mongering? Yeah. It's that old phrase, right? Without a vision, the people will perish. And I think I've, in my studies, um, which is very limited in scope. Because <laughs> you don't read. And I don't read. Right, right. Um, it's, I've come to the conclusion that every system of power tends to define itself by what it is not. And you, and you end up without any sense of culture when you're built on what you're against, right? So I don't want... To just like collectively scare the shit out of people to organize, yeah. Because I think we're going to move in a direction that's not sustainable. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I grant that premise. 
And not just because I don't have the answer to it. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much there around um, the the deep colonization of ourselves and our bodies and our positionalities. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also wonder, and I'm just talking shit now, because I haven't actually thought deeply about why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, this sounds like I'm like. Please don't put this in the pod. Is it also because their stuff is so tiny and petty, and our stuff is much larger? <laughs> like, say more. Like, if we were to be, um, they're fear mongering and all of that. They're so deeply isolated and damaged. It's easy to just grab something and go and, and turn it. And the space, now I'm not saying that we're not isolated and damaged on the left, but there's so many more things on the left that invite all of the multiple sort of responses and ways of of pointing fingers at one another and being in our self-righteousness in a way that we wear it differently because it feels like there's more in that container than there is mm. in the container of the fear mongers. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I could just be... I really haven't deeply examined that answer. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I just, my default, is it not into thinking about deep, complex things like this, but my default is always, it's in love and relationship. It's in love, sovereignty and relationship. And like, that's like, if we just keep moving towards that, regardless, like, ah, so I don't even spend time like looking at the, how come they do it this way and we do it this way? And why are we pointing fingers at everybody else? And maybe, maybe we should be diving deeper into the why to get to some deeper strategy of how to interrupt. Mm-hmm. I try to be open, but I'm not. In, in what I'm about to say, <laughs> I think centering indigenous um, communities mm-hmm. is the answer for all the isms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it it cre it has enough. Um, like the container is so open when you center ancestral wisdom and indigenous ways of being in a way that's not about like extrapolating or appropriating, but we're all nature. No one is disposable. And -hmm. I don't know of a single indigenous ideology that doesn't believe that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That encapsulates the isms. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I want to say that I'm a learner and I'm curious in in that space and understanding, but I'm really unapologetic about that. When you say that, I don't know if you're speaking to indigeneity as a population within the U.S. context. No, no, I'm not because uh, because I I don't want to. And I used to, to be fair, I can like I used to come from that space. I used to be a very Mm -hmm. much an oppression Olympics person. And it's taken me a Mm -hmm. long time to not Mm -hmm. wield that shit uh, or weaponize that. Um, no, I'm 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 like really leaning into like indig like the indigenous wisdom of original 
like white people. Like you think about indigenous sure. people in Ireland, indigenous people, in, right? And I'm like watching my Globally. son, yeah, travel yeah. to Ireland and Amsterdam and Spain mm-hmm. and England, and he start and him talking about in, indigenous communities in other locations and the wisdom, and you know those are like some of whom are ancestors to fucking white people who are killing me right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Resma Menakin talks about it a ton. And I, mm-hmm. I want to go back and look at it and and dig into that, that lesson that he shares with us around that. So no, I don't mean it from a place of, there are fewer of us that my people than your people, Dhamma. So like you all need to be listening to me because we're indigenous mm-hmm. to this you know place. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly because... And not to be generalistic, but your people, when fucking forced and brought over, like, didn't come over without their own ancestral wisdom that they were also, yeah, and also rooting into the ground alongside us in sometimes beautiful ways, sometimes problematic ways, which automatically negates my, like, asinine thinking years ago around, no, no, me over, like, this way is the way over all ways, Mm -hmm. Um Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you asking the clarity for that because I don't want anyone walking away thinking that's what I what I meant in my um, sort of unapologetic stance about it. Yeah, and through the magic of editing, they're going to think that's exactly what you meant. Right, because you're not going to show the other part and you're no. going to say, so you are into oppression Olympics. And then, and then you'll re-edit in where I say, where yes, I am. Yeah, unapologetically. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more, and it reminds me of something that I have said in predominantly white spaces that I've worked in. You know, when folks ask, okay, well, what what do we do around a healthy sense of white identity? That's always my answer. Go do your 23andMe, figure out where your folks are from, and begin um, your homework. Do your research to like travel if you can afford it, you know, do what you can to like root yourself in something bigger, older than this experiment here in which your roots are largely about letting go of, right? Because unless you're like one of these New Englanders who have a proud trajectory and can trace <laughs> they Mayflower shit, right? If you ain't that white person, then it's, it's likely that you don't necessarily feel super connected to your own indigeneity, right? Let's let's take a person who can't do a twenty three and me, can't do a travel, can't mm-hmm. do a they're you know a white person like struggling to survive to sure. eat. I actually don't know that my call into that person is learn that shit. Other than to say you are a racialized human being mm-hmm. too. You actually get to have a healthy identity mm-hmm. too. All we're saying, all I'm saying is your healthy identity and way of being cannot be the only Mm -hmm. way. Like if a white person says something that's really racially fucked up and sensitive or or damaging or whatever, right? Um, I find myself not caring if you're a good parent to your kids and that you volunteer X amount of hours to do (laughs) whatever. Like the rest of your humanity. Is it questioned now because of the way you showed up in that It's not only in question, 
But my assumption is you took off your your hood mm. for the meeting. But as soon as you get in the car, yeah. you're putting it back on. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it encompasses. Yeah. Because you're not worthy of humanity, but the things, like, like their choice and the other things are worthy of humanity. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And so one of the things that I wanted to make oh. space for with this season, I want to keep drilling in. And it might take three, four seasons, five seasons, before I can actually get at the crux of what I'm trying to do here. I want to spend just as much time collectively as a community in this podcast. I really want to unearth the the nuances and the difficulties that I think have historically prevented us from moving further, faster, and, and together, right? Um, I was just watching a video where it does the vote with your feet activity. Mm-hmm. And to watch a young brother be all about BLM, but then go over here when the question is around LGBTQ rights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at him, and I have all of these these feelings of disappointment. Right? Like, why aren't you making that connection? You know. Yeah. But I also have my own homophobia that I'm still working through, too. Just because I could check that particular box and say, yeah, I support the LGBTQ plus movement. Right. I'm I'm down for that. Look, I go to the Pride every summer. Because it's part of my job, my old job. (laughs) So I'm carrying ice and shit, but in a very manly way. So that y'all know, <laughs> I'm here in a, I am not I'm here gay. in a work right. capacity, <laughs> right? As an ally, right? So I expect a yeah. pat on the back. Yeah, it's 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 so fucking nuanced, right? I wonder if because I keep calling it hypocrisy. I don't think it's hypocrisy. I think it's something even like bigger or. Um, like you said, more nuanced, more textured than that. And I don't think we're given the pace, the spaces to like admit it and say it to one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Name the it. And you say, I don't know if it's hypocrisy. What is the it that you're speaking to? Like that, that it is hypocritical to be performative in spaces around where we're trying to show support when at the same time we're also saying, here's how you need to show up differently, or we're pointing fingers at people who don't quite get mm-hmm. it, like the like mm-hmm. the example in the video, mm-hmm. right? So the, the it is that. I think it's deeper than hypocrisy. I just don't know what it is yet. I've, I've been grappling with it constantly, but there's no way we're going to get to what it's called until we actually can say it out mm-hmm. loud, until we can say... Guess where I was a performative piece of shit today? (laughs) (laughs) Guess, like, where I was so fucking mad. I just, and I mean talking about people of almost even our same own, like, race. And I'm, like, stumbling to even say it because I'm, like, terrified this is going to make the recording. But when I'll be in indigenous spaces and be like, oh, fuck. 
there she is again. She's a fucking walking wounded that just needs to take up space with her shit about her beliefs and, like, how mad, like, how much she's been, like, and this is another indigenous human yeah. being. Yeah. Like, that's not cool. Yeah. But I mean. That, as, mm-hmm. And yet I get to talk about all the fucking great things that I am trying to do in Indian country. Like, no. Like, that. that's terrible. <laughs> And what you just described is like most black churches every Sunday morning, right? (laughs) Sister so-and-so about to perform now, you know, because the music is going good. So here she go falling out in the aisle doing backflips and shit. Like I grew up with that kind of like internal critique, right? Um, And it was so normalized. Mm. That's interesting because I didn't. Oh, shit. Like – at all, and so when I f- find myself doing it or saying it or thinking it, I'm I'm ashamed of myself. And I mean, we should have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying shame shouldn't be but there. We were. Just- <laughs> like we thought we was good if we just didn't necessarily say it to more than the couple people on both sides of us or whatever. Right? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you for giving Diamond Justice a listen. We recognize that your time is the most valuable currency you have. If you're digging the pod, there are a couple of things you can do to show your support. First, head over to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds of your time. And every review helps us grow our listenership and broadens the conversations we can have together. The second thing you can do, and should do, is consider supporting the podcast by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dive underscore in underscore justice. Well, because intellectually we can say, I know why that is and I know what they're trying to do and I know Uh like at least like but I'm still like, shut the fuck up and sit the yeah, fuck back. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. And and that's not okay. Moving around this the city of Flint, there are, you know, it's a small town, smaller town, and so you have, uh, um, a fairly small circle of people who are doing a lot of the visible work. The people you're going to see in the magazine or the people you're going to see getting the next community award or the people you're going to see, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, and it tends to be mm-hmm. a fairly exclusive tribe of folk, right? Like, mm-hmm. close-knit. Mm-hmm. And I'm not in that club, right? 90% mm-hmm. of the work I do is outside the city, right? And... On one hand, I prefer it that way, right? My love of travel, the fact that I just happen to end up working a lot with folks who don't even live in the state of Michigan. But this is my family. These are the people I care about. So I'm going to go wherever the work takes me, and that's where it happens to go so often. But at the same time, I can walk around downtown and see some of these folks. And on one hand, it's like it's all love. But there's always a part of me that can feel like you don't get what I get. You don't understand what I understand. Because if you did, you'd be doing things differently. 
And I can almost see the same coming back at me, whether that's projection <laughs> or real. I don't know. But that is my experience. And I grapple with that all the time because I'm like, why do I feel so high school sometimes? You know, why does it have to why does that have to come up in me at all? And what does it say about the growing that I still need to do? That's where I feel that shame. Like, in the end, am I ever, like, am I being mean to that human? No. Am I being, like, am I showing up in a, in a terrible way? Like, I don't, I don't think that I am. But it doesn't matter because I'm thinking mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I, and I don't, and I'm probably right is what I tell myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> and... God damn, that means all that growing. And I can, ref- like, leave that space, go back home and think, ugh, what has that person gone mm-hmm. through? To constantly be, like, just needing to continually beat us over the head with their agenda about their, and this example, their particular indigenous thing that is, like, constantly, like, but like, and they take up the space, and they take over the whole thing, and they, they aren't a learner, and they aren't curious, they aren't all the things, and you gotta fucking, they just make me crazy. And I get why. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. the, the level of patience and exhaustion and like I'm I don't think that I'm ever mean but I want to be yeah right <laughs> exactly I really do and, I want to and be. then so let's take all of this and 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 look at the fact that you and I are both then regularly compensated to turn around and go into predominantly white spaces and tell them not to do that exact same thing. We literally cannot let this part go left. <laughs> <laughs> it's the gold, not the garbage, baby. This is it. And and here's the thing. And, and the reason I could say for me, the reason I will always be able to justify it is no, hang on the fact that it needs justification is should be a clue in no and of it's itself, it, it's problematic <laughs> it is problematic okay. i can own that um and and the, when i say justify what i mean is own and the thing is i hope that i've never been in a space where i gave folks the impression that this wasn't my struggle too right Right. I never want to be seen as someone who stands on a pedestal and preaches down to folks that y'all need to get on my level. I'm trying to get on that level, too. And I'm saying to any space I'm in, um, I see this as the work and I'm trying to be in the work with you. And so when I watch what goes on with this would be governor, maybe soon to be, maybe not. Uh, over in Virginia running around promising that critical race theory will never enter the classroom. The way I hear that is you'll never have to worry about your kids being talked down to and being made to feel bad when they come home and da-da-da-da-da. When I listen to um, the South Lake pod from NBC, that's what I keep hearing as the episodes unfold and the critiques start to mount amongst these white parents, right? It's like they they get to misquoting King and content and the character and all that bullshit, right? And I don't want my babies feeling like, you know, 
they're bad people just because they're white and da-da-da-da-da. And I keep thinking to myself, if that is what they take away from the conversation, then you need a, you need a better facilitator. Because I've never been in a white space that I know of, and they left feeling I, horrible <laughs> for being white. I think that's ego, too, because I think that, too. What I would love to have, and maybe this is the, the show where we call on it, right? I need all the facilitators who feel like they could handle it to just hit us up so we can organize y'all. <laughs> We're going to give y'all a backpack with a parachute in it. And I'm going to airdrop y'all motherfuckers all over this country. Yeah. And I'm going to airdrop you right over the, the school board meeting. So you can go in with your, with your bag and your briefcase or whatever the fuck your laptop. And be like, just, you know, strip off the parachute just, and be like, hey, right. I'm here. Unload your fucking magic. Unload yeah. it. Like all this stuff. We, You and I could name 20 people, maybe 10, 15 people. Mm-hmm. Who could like, and then also if the call out is like, you all come on in, let's all throw you all down in that space. Let's lock you in a room for three days and we'll give you food and water and a space to go to the bathroom and you are going to come out yeah. different. Yep. It's, it's a thing that Ellie Vissell said one time, a long time ago, I went to his, his talk when I was a kid, I was like 22 years old and he, someone had asked him a question like, what makes you sad? And this big talk, he was, uh, do you know who I'm talking about? He wrote night, so. he was a Holocaust survivor. Um, really, really f- famous um, author, Holocaust survivor. And he said, what makes me sad is I can shut this door of this auditorium here and shut that door here and hold us in, all of us, just the folks who mm-hmm. showed up to come hear this mm-hmm. talk. And we can solve world hunger. Mm-hmm. We can do it. Just us, ourselves, mm-hmm. right now. But what's going to happen at the end of this lecture is I'm going to open that door. We're going to open that door, and everyone's going to go, and and people are and children are going to starve mm-hmm. to death on our watch. Mm-hmm. That's what I think about what you're just saying around. Let's fucking parachute them mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we bringing it with that level of of absolute urgency mm-hmm. for that? Yeah, I I have to believe that there are facilitators. In most of these places, or at least in nearby places, for sure. And right, and so ultimately, it's like, man, um, maybe the answer to the fear mongering that we talked about at the top of the show is using social media platforms to organize so that we can more quickly respond when things like this are starting to pop off. Because my thing is, you give me 10 representatives. Who are really adamant about no critical race theory in their school? Who can speak for the hundred of you in this room? Give me ten of them in a few days and some full water. They'll come back to you and talk to you. I ain't gonna say shit. That's how confident I am. It's so funny. You, you, your headspace was the same headspace when I, when I, when like someone was like on the podcast, like, and I think, and I think, I'm like, just let me be in your home for a week. Mm-hmm. Like, let me just sit in your home for a week. Let's break bread. Let's talk. Let's share. Let's, and then you go back and tell them, like, whether you're changed or not, just go back. Just be, just for a week. 
what is it about that like like and i don't think it's about and maybe it is like only someone who's egotistical would say i don't think it's about ego right but i i actually don't think it's about ego i don't think i'm that magical mm-hmm. i don't think you think you're that magical i do think there is something around putting our bodies in the spaces next to which is probably why believe we like why we're so like why like this is our the argument it's not a deep argument against segregation this is an argument for why like plurality pluralism matters this is an argument for all of the things put us in the fucking spaces and let's learn from one another and you wouldn't be doing this it's less about believing in any particular ability i have and more about believing in human beings capacity to connect right and i think but to be clear we really do have a skill set i mean yeah okay um (laughs) i think um the skill set is recognizing that capacity and and having experience in bringing Space, holding space for that capacity to show forth quicker than it would, right? It's like you're you almost want to be able to manufacture intimacy. Yeah. Right? And that's what you specialize yeah. in. Yeah. It is. Conversations that you might not have had with anybody else for years to come, we about to have in the first two hours. Yeah. And you can feel okay doing but the- it, you know? Well, because there's one thing to performatively ma- – well, actually, no. I, I, like, I don't know how to performatively manufacture intimacy. I don't think it'll hold up if it's performative. Yeah, it has to be authentic. And, and that is actually what we do. And it's not manufacture intimacy. It's invite and show up in a way that that can be mm-hmm. present to engage in the, the connections, the learning, the, the everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I only use the term manufacturer because it's like you give me parameters in with which I have to work in. There's a certain time right. I have to be there. There's a time we got to say goodbye. Right. And in between, here's what I'm going to try to do in the space, you know. Here's here's the quote. I can't believe it took me this long to find it. But she. Um, That's why I don't read. It's actually it's actually it's in the book by Adrian Murray Brown, who edited it. But the essay is Alexis Gump, who I'm telling you, if there is any reason to become a reader it is to read alexis comes you don't do audible you would oh my god here's what she said i assert that your primary responsibility as a facilitator is to keep people breathing in the face of their greatest fears including rejection not knowing being wrong losing something and the future and you do it for the sake of what the people you collaborate with want most Change, possibility, connection, revelation, clarity, purpose, and futures. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I say. And so we do need to be fucking parachuting them into these spaces. Yeah. They're already there. It's a matter of organizing, you know? It's a matter of organizing. That's true. And only 10, That's 15 true. minutes, an hour away. Yeah. You already you know it. Um, I think... Um, the themes around authenticity, building authenticity, holding authenticity, encouraging the continuation of authenticity when all I want to do is hide what I'm really feeling and thinking, 
is going to be key um, to both a good podcast and the creation of a dope <laughs> community. <laughs> well, that's the hard thing is like, how can we be super honest if our potential, you know, clients are going to be hearing and then listening to us talk, you know, real talk. If they don't want to pick up what we're putting down, then I don't know that I want to be there. We've been talking about it a lot, though, in in some spaces around readiness mm-hmm. and what does readiness mm-hmm. mean, and and how do how how do we measure when someone actually really does, even when it gets like so hard, they're ready to you know, and that's what we do, and I get it, but um, at some point. What does it mean when we're actually truly centering our own humanity when we're getting our asses kicked in that face of that racism? No question. And I don't know that I have a definitive answer, nor do I know that... Well, then fucking forget it. Fucking have the goddamn answer. Jesus. Watch your tone. That's number one. Um, I'm tone policing now because you was out of control for that one. Stop screaming at me. You know I'm sensitive. I'm looking forward to probing our guests with, Ooh, good with pivot. some of these <laughs> with some of these questions. I'm looking forward to presenting them with all of the confusion and the nuance and asking them to have the goddamn answers. I was gonna say I won't yell at them to have the answer. I'll just invite them to give us and the answer. I'll yell, yell at you at though. Me. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course you will. I mm-hmm. am hopeful that um season two reveal something to me about me if nothing else to anyone else <laughs> um <laughs> i'm i really want to figure this out um and i do believe that uh you know it starts with me and if anybody else happens to learn anything along the way that's great that that will feel good you know <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> I don't know that that's why I'm here anymore, to be honest with you. I'm trying to figure out some shit for me at this point. I anticipate that things will get worse before they get better. I anticipate that as the white population continues to dwindle, both in terms of birth rates and as compared to the birth rates of BIPOC folks, um, that white supremacy will get more and more desperate. I think as we continue to push gender issues um gender identity issues and people continue to play around with and experiment with and embody various ways of being i think fragile aspects of masculinity are going to continue to become more and more present like i think the world is shifting in ways that our conservative bones are going to have a hard time with and i say our too Right, for for all the things I still have to work through where I'm old school and maybe don't even recognize or realize it. Um, But those things will continue to be challenged. And by the time I have grandchildren, am I going to be one of them cool-ass old folks that's, like, supporting young people, right? Or am I going to be one of them 
stiff, stubborn, conservative motherfuckers who quit growing and quit learning and decided the world has to be the way I think it is, you know? Um, so that's what I want to explore. I'm wondering if we could also explore alongside that. And I don't mean this in like a super hokey way, but how can we explore finding our own joy and belly laughs and not in the ludicrousness of the shit that we're seeing. <laughs> That's what always makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, also just joy for pure joy of it. We're gonna we're gonna look, let's run at it. Let's, let's attempt let's to find, try to find it. it. All right, that's what's up. That's what up. My life is deeply rooted in cynicism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm aware. I'm aware. Um, but no, I think you're right. I, I wanna, think there's something to that. I want to find that. Like I was talking to my my brother the other day about um, my brothers the other day about like that I'm recently finding joy in like the weirdest fucking places. Mm. That like I'm I'm. I'm getting more sleep. I'm not working 80 hour mm, weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, all of these things. And so I've got a little bit more space in, in, in my, you know, gas tank is a little bit more full. And so I'll find myself doing dumbass shit, like running into the kitchen with socks on and going whoosh, mm-hmm. like on my feet, mm-hmm. like, and just, and then laughing or, or like my, my, my brother Jonah likes to sing songs in falsetto because he thinks it's funny. And so, like I'll remember that and say that and sing some Nora Jones song to my myself in my head in falsetto and like crack myself mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. like these these moments that have nothing to do with anything except like laughing at myself or laughing not even laughing with whatever dumbass thing sure. that I'm doing and I just I want to find places where it's it's like I believe in doing the hard work and rolling up our sleeves and digging in like and and taking deep breaths as we're holding space and watching beautiful white humans grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just white humans, but like in terms of who's got the money to pay for like a lot of the <laughs> shit is like these white humans and that's who we're holding space for. Not that we're not holding space for the other people too, right. but like seriously, right? Where is the joy that fills us to keep doing that? And so I, I don't know if that's an extra question we bring our our guests, but I really do want to talk about that yeah, too. Yeah, and that's sound. There's a lot of value in that. I think uh, when I think about the folks who organize because they're afraid of uh, CRT, which actually has nothing to do with anything that's going on in classrooms around America, but that's all another topic. I think what is impossible for those feared, fearful folks to imagine, what's impossible for them to imagine, is that you could come into spaces where these conversations are being had and laugh your ass off and actually have a good time and feel good walking out of it and be glad that you went and be glad that your kids are part of that. Like they can't imagine that that could possibly be true. Right. Um, And I want to have fun in those spaces. I have fun. I right. I, and I don't mean it just because I want to be lazy and have fun. Like I, (laughs) (laughs) I think back about 
like, you know, we all have different ways of being and we all show up in different ways. And, and, you know, we were talking about a a dear friend of ours on on another episode who talks about like showing up and like melancholy a little Mm -hmm. bit and his way of being is a little melancholy. And that's a beautiful way Mm -hmm. to be. And I, I was reflecting on that and thinking about my sister and I, my sister, Jonna Ann, growing up as kids. When we were little, all we did was laugh. Mm-hmm. Like, we would get in trouble. We were laughing so mm-hmm. much. We would, like, even when we're together now, we laugh, like, so much. And our the cadence of our laughter is even like, ha, 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 <gasps> like, we're to get, like, we're just so, and I, and why can I only be finding that in, in like, in that community with her? Mm-hmm. Like or in a in a cynical location with you and I where we're joking at the ludicrousness mm-hmm. of this shit. Mm-hmm. But why isn't it just pure inherent in the spaces of work? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. I am I'm looking forward to exploring the nuance, bringing the joy inviting the guests to give us all the answers so we can stop trying to figure out shit for ourselves. Um, I'm excited for what season two can be. And I'm really excited to continue this journey with you and with the rest of the team and the support that we've been able to enjoy up to this point. Um, yeah, next time we get together, we'll have a couple guests and, uh, it'll be nice to have a, a couple folks at, at once again um, and be able to hear from them. But, yeah, I'm excited to get going. So um, we will be with everyone again next time, which will be uh, this episode will release on November 5th. We're back to the every other Friday schedule. Um Episodes will be a little longer this season. We're going to spend more quality time together than we did before. Um, and I'm excited about that, too. So, yeah. Any any last thoughts as we get ready to close? I'm just, I'm grateful for our uh, loyals, not the, our consistent listeners. Mm-hmm. Like, and loyal sounds like they owe us something. I'm <laughs> grateful for our consistent <laughs> listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful for the emails and um the the posts that people are saying when is like when is it coming out or who are you gonna have on it next and when is that and so um it it fills me with such um honestly such joy it makes me happy and i'm really excited to expand our listenership Mm -hmm. too and i want to find ways um about what it means for us to engage with them in different spaces whether it be on the Patreon page or our Facebook page or and I know mm-hmm. that our beautiful team uh Jenny and Soraya in particular are constantly being like you guys need to engage with them more and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. our listeners know about our low executive functioning skills <laughs> right right <laughs> I would love to do that more with them too Yeah I am looking forward to producing some other ways of of being in community with our listeners. So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you. Well, I meant for me. I didn't mean oh, for you. Shit. I'm not even invited to my own podcast. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Across I bear. <laughs> God damn. Dot 
Dive In Justice is a co-production of the Center for Whole Communities and Shoreline Consulting. The Center for Whole Communities exists to build capacity at the individual, organizational, and community level to deepen awareness, embrace differences, and value relationships, thus making change possible. Shoreline Consulting co-constructs solutions and strategies that align with your goals and leverages the voices, perspectives, and wisdom of those who stand to benefit. For more information on the Center for Whole Communities, find us at wholecommunities.org. For more information on Shoreline Consulting, visit us on the web at thinkshorelines.com. Dive in Justice theme song created by Nasir Thomas Jackson. Doug Fahrenstein is our audio engineer. Sarah McCandless is our administrative support. Jennifer Cotting and Soraya Yamada Sapien help us out with marketing and promotional support. Thank you all so much. Without your continued efforts, this show will not be possible.